Wagwan, everybody. Welcome to the This Afemi History Podcast, where we'll be speaking about history and as well family history and how history relates in terms of Caribbean people um, for the present as well as in the past and how in the past what that does and brings forth for what we are going through at present and what we can learn from our history from our family and take that moving forward so I do hope you enjoy the podcast and if you like it please ensure to subscribe like and review thank you I want to thank you so much, Verona, for coming on to the podcast today to talk about Anansi, the trickster. And before we start, I'll have you just uh, give a brief um, history of your own podcast that you have as well, Ancestral Voices, and your uh, documentary. Go ahead. No problem. So my name is Verona Spence Adolfo. I am one half of what is known as Ancestral Voices, which is an educational initiative set up by myself and my husband, Dalian. Um, we spent the last 13 years documenting and researching African spiritual philosophies and practices, um, initially starting with a documentary. Um, which was partly filmed in Ghana in the UK. Then we went on to create a sequel that was much, much more larger in scope, which involved filming in places such as Haiti, Brazil. And um, so now we've kind of expanded from doing documentary works to books, uh, courses, interviews with people across the globe. And ultimately, it's just a platform designed to enable people to kind of reconnect to this wisdom and have a somewhere they can go where they can meet like minds and join in conversations and discussions so we can all learn and grow together. Oh, no, thank you. That's really great. And I'll make sure that those are in the show notes as well. So if people want to look into that, they can, and it's uh, the links will be available, okay? With, um, can you just provide us just a brief overview of Anansi and his ex- significance in African folklore? Yeah, so Anansi is a very well-known um, African folktale character um, originating in West Africa, specifically amongst the Akan people of Ghana. And those stories um, were carried over to America and the Caribbean um, through enslaved Africans, where they continued their cultural legacy of telling oral stories. And so this whole notion of oral storytelling is very prominent amongst African cultures. It's a way to preserve history, culture, um, a way to pass on moral codes, um, the cosmos- cosmological teachings. There's so many things embedded within these stories that at first glance, you may think they're like these childhood, these simple tales. But when we take the time out to delve deeper, there's so much uh, coded wisdom embedded within these teachings. So and Nancy, this uh, main character, um, which is known as Kweku Anansi, um, 
in his native tongue and that's from the language tree of the Akan people and that is part of what is called the Anansi Sem which is called Anansi stories and Anansi amongst tree language does actually mean spiders so it means spider stories so they're a collection of um, stories that feature this main character this Anansi character who is very well known for being quite a bit of a trickster, um, you know, not necessarily the nicest person to have as your friend, but at the same time, every single one of these stories has so many messages interwoven within them, usually ending with a moral code. So from these stories, we can delve deeper into the teachings and understand what is being expressed to us. But ultimately, they give us guides for living, um, developing our own character as individuals and how we can relate and communicate with other people and find that balance within ourselves. No, thank you. And then, so going into that, so what, what would be then some of the key characteristics and attributes to Anansi? Yeah, so when we look at Anansi, I said before, he's very much a trickster character. So what we do find with Anansi is he can become you know, can be quite selfish in some of the stories, often thinking of his own needs or how he can get one up on someone else. And so you very much see this kind of characteristic within him. However, he's always humbled by the end of the story. So as much as he may feel that he's got one up on someone, he's normally taken down a peg or two. So for me personally, I see this as a reflection of, doesn't necessarily make him a bad person, but then it, we can see within ourselves that sometimes we don't always operate on the best choices. Sometimes we may think more self-serving than more of the community or the wider collective. So I think Anansi gives us that opportunity, well, within these stories anyway, to reflect on ourselves and our own behaviours and how sometimes we may not always do the right thing. So Anansi himself, I wouldn't say he's necessarily a bad person, mm -hmm. but somebody where we can see the duality. So there's many different attributes of Anansi. I would say positive traits are he's very cunning. He's got a lot of wit. Um, he uses a lot of strategy in the story. So these are all traits that we can definitely embrace and use in our life. Because, you know, if you go out into the world and you do anything, if you plan, strategize, organize yourself you're going to fare much better than those who don't prepare equally though as i said we can get some of the selfish traits that he exhibits um where he's a bit callous at times and ruthless so for me i think we kind of see that duality that exists within ourselves also and just kind of teaches us to have a bit more internal reflection and how we carry ourselves Yes, absolutely. And and as you said before, you know, Anansi is often portrayed as the trickster. What would be some of the more well-known or memorable tricks or pranks that Anansi has played in some of these stories? Yeah, so one of the um, stories is, <laughs> as I mentioned, he can be quite selfish. So there was one story where he was invited. Well, first of all, his friend, the turtle, came to his house and Nancy had just finished preparing his meal. And, and Nancy, being very self-centered, was like, oh, man, someone's at the door. And his friend was like, oh, I can smell that you've just cooked food. Can I come in? So begrudgingly, he lets his friend, the turtle, into the house. And then the turtle says, okay, cool. Can you dish me some food? So and Nancy was like, yeah, but I can see your hands are dirty. So go wash your hands first now obviously being a turtle turtle walks very slowly 
By the time he comes back, Anansi's already started eating. Then Anansi goes and tells the turtle, um, oh yeah, you still got some mess on your hands, you know, go wash it again. And so by the time the turtle returns, there's just like a little small smidgen of food left. So that's showing Anansi's, you know, selfish traits. But the story goes on to show that, um, the story's flipped in reverse where the turtle then invites Anansi round for lunch one day where he lives. So he's a turtle, he lives by the water, so he's actually in the water. He invites Anansi in, but Anansi, because he's a spider and so light, he couldn't physically get down um, into the water to get to eat the food. So then Anansi thinks, hmm, how can I get down there? So here we go with the strategy again. Yeah. So then he literally puts um stones in his pockets to weigh himself down so he can get into the turtle's house so he can actually eat the lunch so he finally does it so happy he's like yes i'm finally going to eat the food and then as he goes to sit down the turtle says oh in my custom you know you have to take off your jacket when you sit down to eat so as anansi goes to take off the jacket which obviously has the stones the weight is now released so he lifts up in the air and doesn't get a chance to eat <laughs> so there we go with this whole comeuppance thing that yeah. you know he thought he had one up on the turtle but no when it, the, the story was reversed the turtle was like no we're not going to do that so yeah. it goes to show that in life the way we treat people comes back to us so within these stories we're literally being taught moral codes for living yes. how to maintain harmonious relationships with those who are around us whether friends family or the wider community so i think that's really beautiful about these stories yeah absolutely and it, and it kind of goes into you know again with the trickster figure it serves as both just a hero and contrary tales and i you know how does a nancy balance these roles and what lessons can be learned from these types of stories yeah so the lessons to me are very much about acknowledging that there's not right and wrong as such it's about finding your own particular balance and i think this is very key about the trickster and then I wrote an article before which was called a Nancy teacher or trickster and I think it's very key to note that the teacher character is very much the trickster is that what can we learn from them and what is often found in African cosmologies is this idea in the folktales especially of this trickster character and uh, which often represents the duality between the balance of the physical and spiritual realm and so that was very interesting to me to note that with the anansi stories one of the key um, um stories is when um anansi goes to nyame which is the the supreme creator um, in a can cosmology and obtains all the stories from Nyame. So the fact that the creator, obviously that's the source of all life, source of all wisdom and the trickster Anansi is able to obtain these stories shows very much that we're dealing with something much more than just a child story. We're dealing with something much more complex than that. And so you know, when I look into it further, I'm thinking, okay, why was the spider specifically used to represent this trickster archetype? And then if we look at Sib spiders symbolically, uh, the first thing you can look at is it has eight legs. So if we look at eight in numerolo numerology, it's kind of like um, 
ongoing it's like continuous life especially if we look if you even turn the number eight on its side it's the sign of infinity so it's like this continuous cycle of life which is pretty much the 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 definition of the supreme being is just like this ongoing ever source ever present form of life but then if we take it even further the spider on its own by its very definition spiders whole existence are that they create and design their own webs so spiders are literally the architects of their own reality and that is symbolically once again very much of that creator because they create their lives they create their webs they can literally design a web in one hour and not only is their web their home but it also serves to catch their food so then we're seeing this message again of them being strategic um everything they do is well thought out and has a plan and a purpose so i think that the the cunning wit that we see within a nancy is perfectly tied up within that spider archetype so that's how we can see that these yeah. stories that we look at as childhood folklore stories are a lot more deeper when we actually take the time out to really investigate what's being said here so mm. that to me is, is truly fascinating and phenomenal and it's not something i was aware of as a child when i heard these yes. stories but now as an adult and I'm looking with a much more deeper lens, I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. No, it's it's really uh, interesting that you, you know, you describe it as such because it you're right. I mean, when you're told this as a child, it doesn't, you know, go to that deeper length in terms of the understanding of why, you know, it is as, as a spider that's being used as the main character. But once you, you know, you're saying in terms of this, you know, the web that's being spun and what that means and what that represents, it is definitely very strategic, very, you know, defined in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, now with the Deanance's stories, you know, again, it's more or less oral and it's passed down through the generations across the different regions within the the continent of Africa. How would you say how these stories have evolved over time and what do you think um, contributes to their enduring popularity? Yeah, I think what makes these stories um, so, you know, to be able, well, what makes these stories, I think, last the test of time is the fact that the messages within them still never changed. Mm -hmm. Our relationships with others is always going to be a primary aspect within ourselves. So I think at core, the messages are always going to be applicable. And what I think has been quite amazing with Nancy stories is it's gone from like all folk tale to theater productions, animations, comic books, um, you know, and in 2017, uh, we had Mr. Nancy in the American God series that was shown on Amazon Prime. And so yeah. that catapulted it back into the kind of mainstream consciousness again. And what was amazing about that is it kind of stayed true to its core about having certain powerful messages within the storyline. So I think the fact that we can keep reimagining this Anansi character in different forms for different generations show that at its core, there's something in our, in the stories that kind of reconnect us to something a lot more ancient. And so when we hear it, we're very aware of its cultural heritage. It makes us want to look back and kind of realize, okay, this is a story that's traveled from one region of the world to many others. And there's a history that is in, like 
part of that story within itself. So it kind of connects us on a, a global level, which I think is very, very powerful and kind of reminds us of source and this kind of cultural lineage that has gone over time. So I think that in itself always makes this relevant and always keeps it very powerful. Absolutely. And, you know, with the tradition of storytelling as being an essential part of African culture, how have Anansi stories contributed to the preservation and communication of cultural knowledge and values? Yeah, so I would say that within it, because even for me personally, <laughs> just even studying Anansi on a deeper level, it's made me realize so much. So you can already see the kind of footprint movement of a people around the globe and then the history that follows that within enslaved Africans. So there's a story there. Yeah. But also within the, the, the teachings of the stories, um, we're learning the cosmologies, we're learning moral codes for living, we're learning about animals and their symbolism. So we're learning to observe nature, which is a massive part of African cosmologies anyway. So it's a whole corpus of learning within itself and so by teaching our children and to be honest these these stories are timeless and ageless no matter what age you are you can still appreciate these stories i think that it allows us to have a knowledge base to work from but i think on more a spiritual level just even hearing these stories it awakens something within us because it taps into something that's already familiar even if we're consciously aware of it or not so i think by hearing these stories it's like this kind of ancestral connection that is awakened by this continuous knowledge that has been passed on mm -hmm, absolutely and you know with the Anansi stories often being told orally, and I know you've mentioned as to some of the changes over time, how important is the oral tradition in preserving and sharing these tales during these current times? Yeah, so current times. Okay, so I'll talk about historically yeah. and current. So historically, the concept of oral storytelling was huge. And the main point of oral storytelling, because now we often rely on books and things like that, but the whole point of speaking orally is it's number one is speaking life into what you're bringing forward. So it's about using the power of the voice, the energy that is um, carried by speaking the names of these people, speaking the name of those who have come before us, speaking the name of our culture, our history and all of these symbolic references that keeps it alive. Yeah. And so what we have to realize is that storytelling in itself is not just simply telling stories it's actually a ritual act it's very much about bringing those memories to life bringing them to the present day so when you speak about why it's relevant now it's relevant now because it allows us to tap into that we often um speak about we have a lost history we have a lost culture there's many um, parts that we've been separated from which is very true however in this present time in this moment we can carry those stories forward we can bring life to those successes the stories of those who have come before us to enable that um, wisdom and knowledge to be accessible now because all of this as i mentioned before as well is you're tapping into ancestral memory so as you're even sharing these stories you are literally awakening that ancestral dna that already exists within ourselves through 
epigenetic inheritance even if somebody is no longer here in a physical world they still exist in your dna so this is why telling stories of your grandparents and your great-grandparents and those before you that's what honors their memory that's what keeps Mm -hmm. their spirit alive that's what makes um their wisdom accessible to you in this present moment in this present time so this is why the act of storytelling is very powerful and it's so important that we tell our stories and not feel like it's something to be left in the past or to be discarded no embrace those stories because within those stories we can give ourselves strength we can give ourselves power to be uh you know uh motivated to move Mm -hmm. forward and do better for ourselves in this time so i'd say that storytelling in itself particularly oral storytelling is powerful because if you're not dependent on a book and the and the knowledge is within that is the best way that you can always tap in and bring that knowledge available so absolutely absolutely it is definitely one of those uh honored traits to be able to you know really honor your ancestors and what would you say with that you find the most intriguing or at least captivating about anansi and his stories and how these anansi stories have influenced your perspective on storytelling and cultural heritage what would i say is the most intriguing (laughs) funny enough the first thing that came into my head is i actually do not like spider (laughs) i actually agreed out of all the like insects or arachnids whatever you want to say i do not like spiders however by just learning about the symbolism and understanding what spiders mean it's changed my whole perspective of seeing them so now very much so when i look at spiders i am connecting that straight away with tapping into the the creator within myself you know we all have the essence of the supreme being within ourselves and the spider reminds us of our ability to create to design our own reality so i see a nancy as um a character that shows us of what we are capable of exactly but there's a power in that and equally um as i said his character traits sometimes you know they flip on that duality but then that duality also exists within ourselves which is also still very much in line with that kind of supreme being energy so i i find that quite fascinating because i think at core it's really telling us something very powerful but on the external it looks like a little childhood story but it really is showing us how we can tap into who we are and the greatness that exists within ourselves as individuals i agree with you 100 percent on that absolutely the power within absolutely and then just to finally kind of just to wrap everything up what do you what message do you think both young and old can take away from the adventures and the exploits of anansi the spider I think um, they can take away knowledge of self. I think um, it also um, connects back to culture and history and empowerment through knowledge of self, I would say. Because when we actually start to take the time to learn about our history and culture, it becomes very empowering. Mm. And I feel like no matter where your story is, I mean, our people are spread out across the globe. So the more of the jigsaw puzzle that you can start to put together, it's like nourishing yourself. It's like 
putting all those pieces back of yourself together so you can have more of a holistic view of life yeah. and i feel that is very empowering so knowing our stories all of our stories from across the world is really important to really fulfilling ourselves and um honoring ourselves as the beings that we are so we can elevate and really just feel grounded and yes. feel connected especially for those of us you know i'm a child of the diaspora i'm from jamaica and so i don't know necessarily on the african continent where i'm from however through these stories and the teachings and the research i've been doing and social voices i actually don't care anymore and i don't say that in a bad way but i say it in a way that because i am so nourished from all the information that i come across I've come to the understanding that everything I need is already within me. And so all of these teachings, all they do is um, to allow myself to kind of tap into that knowledge even more and awaken that ancestral memory within myself. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. It does come with a certain amount of power uh, and, and a sense of pride. Yes. You know, because you, you, you know exactly, and it's not the narrative of, you don't have history, you don't have a past, you do have a past and you do have a history because these are stories that are told not by only by our mothers, but our grandmothers and our great-grandmothers that have been passed down from generation to generation and that's how we connect. So I'm so glad that you said that. That's, you know, fantastic because honestly, we really need to recognize that and to know that and to have a sense of pride. So thank you so much, Verona, for coming on to the podcast. You're welcome. I'll just say one more yeah. thing. I to add that also, I just want to make it very clear for the audience today. I do not want us to feel that the only story we yeah. have as African people is about being enslaved. Our yes. story is so much bigger than that. Yeah. And that's why I say knowing our stories globally and collectively allows us to really empower ourselves. And it's so important that we are able to access those other yeah. stories of our history because that is where we find ourselves being very spiritually fulfilled and given the strength that we need to elevate in our current reality absolutely thank you so much i really do appreciate the time that you came on thank you you're welcome thank you hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did please make sure to like follow subscribe and write a review for the episode wherever you listen to your podcast thank you